Hello, and welcome to another teaching by 119 Ministries. Our ministry teaches that the whole Bible is still true and directly relevant in our lives. If you would like to know more on what we believe and teach, please visit us at testeverything.net. We hope that you enjoy studying and testing the following teaching. that came out in the early 80s all about the Ark of the Covenant. Though it was a Hollywood story about governments looking for the Ark, it truly sparked interest on the whereabouts of just where the Ark of God truly is. Since its disappearance from the biblical narrative, there have been numerous claims of having discovered it. Some claim to actually having possession of the Ark. All the while, several other possible places have been suggested for where its location is at today. These all include Ethiopia, South Africa, Europe, Ireland, and even under Golgotha, where Yeshua was crucified. Some even suggest under the Temple Mount. There has been evidence to point toward Mount Nebo as well. Second Maccabees, written around 100 BC, says that the prophet Jeremiah, being warned by God before the Babylonian invasion, took the ark, the tabernacle, and the altar of incense and buried them in a cave on Mount Nebo, informing those of his followers who wished to find the place that it should remain unknown. The account reads as follows. One finds in the records that Jeremiah the prophet ordered those who were being deported to take some of the fire, as has been told, and that the prophet, after giving them the law, instructed those who were being deported not to forget the commandments of the Lord, nor to be led astray in their thoughts upon seeing the gold and silver statues and their adornment. And with other similar words, he exhorted them that the law should not depart from their hearts. It was also in the writing that the prophet, having received an oracle, ordered that the tent and the ark should follow with him, and that he went out to the mountain where Moses had gone up and had seen the inheritance of God. And Jeremiah came and found a cave, and he brought there the tent and the ark and the altar of incense, and he sealed up the entrance. Some of those who followed him came up to mark the way, but could not find it. When Jeremiah learned of it, he rebuked them and declared, The place shall be unknown until God gathers his people together again and shows his mercy. The last line, The place shall be unknown until God gathers his people together again and shows his mercy. Indeed, seems to imply that of the millennium. As verse 4 mentioned, Mount Nebo, also described in Deuteronomy 34, is the site from which Moses viewed the Promised Land. It's approximately 30 miles east of Jerusalem, near the east bank of the Jordan River. 
For more information regarding this understanding, please consider going to copper-scroll-project.com. Jim Bartfield and his team presents information that you might find interesting as we have. Many say that the ark was taken up to heaven as it is referred to in Revelation chapter 11. Verse 19, Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and within his temple was seen the ark of his covenant. And there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and a great hailstorm. However, we know that everything made on the earth regarding the tent of meeting and the temple was simply a copy from that which is in heaven. Compare Hebrews chapter 8. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. Also, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24. For Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary. That was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. So, it would seem that the ark referred to in Revelation was simply the original in heaven from that which Moses made the copy for the temple on earth. It was most likely not the ark that was made for the temple on earth, that the Babylonians eventually invaded. But, in all honesty, this teaching is not about where the ark is, but where it wasn't. Stay with me, and you'll see what I mean in a moment. In 597 BC, the Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem and Solomon's temple. There is no record of what became of the ark in the Book of Kings and Chronicles. Some suggest the ark was taken to Babylon. However, when we look at history in the scriptures of when the ark fell into the hands of the enemy, it was bad news for the enemy. Seriously. The ark was once captured as a result of Israel taking the ark out to battle without being told to do so. It's in 1 Samuel chapters 4 through 6 that we find the ark taken by the Philistines. <laughs> and returned by the Philistines just the same. The question is, why? Why would they return the greatest prize booty ever from a war? The scriptures make it quite clear. The ark was a curse to them. The account in 1 Samuel tells how the Philistines' god, Dagon, fell before the ark two nights in a row, and then how the people were inflicted with tumors. Wherever they sent it, the people were afflicted. So, long story short, they sent it back to Israel. <laughs> this is one reason why I really don't believe the Babylon took the ark, but rather that it was hidden somewhere before they invaded. Otherwise, the ark would have afflicted the Babylonians just the same. However, whether the Babylonians took it or not, the bottom line was that the ark was gone. As mentioned earlier, according to 2 Maccabees, the records show that it was the prophet Jeremiah who gave orders that the tent of meeting and the ark should go with him. 
he went away to the mountain from which Moses saw God's promised land. When he reached the mountain, Jeremiah found a cave dwelling. He carried the tent, the ark, and the incense altar into it, then blocked up the entrance. Now, whether one wants to hold to this account in 2 Maccabees being true or not is truly no matter. The bottom line is that the ark was taken somewhere and it has never returned since. This is huge because that means that the ark was not present in the second temple. Let's think about this for a minute. This means that elements of the law pertaining to the ark could not be followed at the time of the second temple. The very temple where Yeshua himself walked. So, was it truly considered the house of God without the ark? Of course. Consider what Yahweh says of the second temple. Haggai chapter 2. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says Yahweh Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace, declares Yahweh Almighty. And consider the words of Yeshua, John chapter 2. To those who sold doves, he said, Get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? So, it was still the house of God. When Pompey conquered Jerusalem, he supposedly had entered into the temple to examine what the Jews worship. Most people in the ancient world believed in many different gods, but when Pompey entered into the Holy of Holies in the temple, he didn't see any statues or pictures. All he supposedly saw was a scroll with writing, and he was greatly puzzled. He just couldn't understand how these people could worship one God that they couldn't even see. He then ordered the city and the temple to be restored. But again, if this account of Pompeii is true, it only confirms that there was no ark in the second temple. Thus, the Holy of Holies in the second temple was an empty chamber. It did not contain the ark of the covenant. Where was it? Not in the temple, that's for sure. It was never mentioned in Ezra or Nehemiah in the return of the southern kingdom to Jerusalem and the rebuilding of the walls or the temple. Something else to consider is the book of Hebrews. It is believed that this book was written before the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. That being said, please consider Hebrews chapter 9. Behind the second curtain was a room called the Most Holy Place, which had the golden altar of incense and the gold-covered Ark of the Covenant. This Ark contained the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that had budded, and the stone tablets of the Covenant. Now then, notice verse 4, which had. It doesn't say which has, meaning what. The second temple didn't have the Ark of the Covenant. It was past tense. Many would say that this would just mean that the book of Hebrews was just written afterwards then. However, this cannot be the case. Consider Hebrews chapter 8. The point of what we are saying is this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in a sanctuary 
the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by man. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, and so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest, for there are already men who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build a tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. See the present tense? The temple was still up and the priesthood was still serving in the temple at the time of the writing of this book. Yet the Holy of Holies was truly missing the Ark of the Covenant. So, did they still pursue the law without it? Yes, indeed they did. Even in the time of Yeshua. That's right, the Ark of the Covenant was not in the temple during the days of Yeshua. What does this tell us? It tells us that you can pursue the law without having everything required by the law. Did you hear that? Even in the days of Yeshua, they did not have the Ark of the Covenant. Yet, Yeshua still preached and obeyed the law. Again, what does this tell us? It tells us that you don't have to have every article of the temple to pursue the law. We are to follow that which we are able to follow. When someone says that we can't obey the law today because we don't have everything needed for it, all I say is, neither did Yeshua, but that didn't stop him. Whatever one may be missing, by what is required by the law. It simply means that you can't pursue that element of the law. That's it. It doesn't do away with the law as a whole. It simply means you can't observe that particular element of the Torah. For example, if there was a speed limit of 55 miles per hour on a road next to a dam, one has to obey it. But if the dam breaks and washes out the road, can you observe that speed limit? Of course not. The road is gone. But does that mean that we no longer have to stop at stop signs, adhere to traffic lights, or observe other speed limits while behind the wheel of a vehicle driving elsewhere? Of course not. We still adhere to them. However, once the road is rebuilt, the law will apply to that road again. The same is true regarding the elements of the law that require the temple, the priests, and everything that applies accordingly. The law still exists for us to obey, but those particular elements regarding the priests or the temple cannot be obeyed until the restoration of all things. And that day will indeed come, just as Isaiah chapter 2 and Micah chapter 4 says. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of Yahweh from Jerusalem. But until that day comes, we do our best to pursue obedience to all that we have the ability to. So we truly see that the mere fact of the Ark of the Covenant not being in the temple during the days of Yeshua truly shows that there is no excuse 
for any of us to say that we can't pursue obedience to the law. In fact, it truly shows that we indeed are to obey all that we can in spite of what we can't. Thus, the words of Yeshua in Matthew 23. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, so you must obey them and do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. We pray that you make it your desire to follow our Savior's example in pursuing obedience to all that you can today, just as he commanded all in Matthew 23 when there was no ark in the Holy of Holies. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching. Remember, continue to test everything. Shalom. One Nineteen Ministries is now available on Roku, Apple TV, Google TV, Xbox Live, and more. You can now access dozens of free video teachings straight from your home television in the comfort of your home. If you would like to learn more, please visit us at testeverything.net. It is because of you, our generous supporters, who make it possible to offer these high-quality teachings completely free of charge. If you feel led to support 119 Ministries so that we can continue this effort, please visit testeverything.net and click on the Support 119 tab. Learn how you can partner with us to take the whole Word of God to the nations.